Lesson number 93, Surah Al-A'raf, ayah number 103 to 137. ثُمَّ بَعَثْنَا Then we sent, مِنْ بَعْدِهِمْ From after them, Musa, Musa alayhi salam, بِآيَاتِنَا With our signs. To who? إِلَى فِرْعَوْنَ To Fir'aun. وَمَلَئِهِ And his elite, his chiefs. ثُمَّ بَعَثْنَا مِنْ بَعْدِهِمْ مُوسَى After them, we sent Musa alayhi salam. After who? After the messengers about whom we learned in the previous verses. At the beginning of the surah, we learned about who? Adam alayhi salam. After that, we learned about the story of Nuh alayhi salam, Hud alayhi salam, Salih alayhi salam, Lut alayhi salam, Shu'ayb alayhi salam. After all these messengers and many more, Allah sent Musa alayhi salam. Musa bin Imran alayhi salam, he was the greatest prophet sent to the Bani Israel. He was the greatest prophet sent to the Bani Israel. And Allah sent him with ayat, bi-ayatina, to who? Ila fir'awna wa mala'ihi. Ayat. Which miracles did Musa alayhi salam bring to Fir'aun? Which miracles did he show him? Mainly, it was the staff that turned into a snake, and also his hand, which when he pulled out, it would turn extremely white and bright, shining. So these two miracles, Allah sent him with them to Fir'aun and his mala. Fir'aun was the title of Egyptian kings. Long, long, long time ago. How long ago? It is said approximately 1200 BC is when Fir'aun was. So the kings of that civilization, their title was Fir'aun. This is similar to how these days kings, or rather the leader, he's called president. Okay, Depending on the system, but we see that there are different titles of sovereigns across various civilizations. So Fir'aun, remember, was not the name of that king, it was his title. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent Musa to Fir'aun wa mala'ihi. Mala'. Who are the mala'? You must know this word really well by now. The leaders, the chiefs, the elite of the society. Now, some people might find this very strange. That how come the messenger is being sent to the leaders? Why not the common folk? Why not the common people? The thing is that every time a messenger came, his message was for the entire nation. The leaders and the common people. The rich and the poor. However, the messengers first approached the leaders, those who were influential. Why? Like the Prophet ﷺ also, when he came as a messenger, who did he speak to first? The Quraysh. That was the leading tribe of that time. Alright? Why the leaders? Why the influential people? Because mostly, the case is that common people, the laymen, they follow who? Their leaders. They generally don't use their mind as much. Whatever their leaders say, they follow them. Whatever their leaders believe in, that is what they do. And these days also we see this. That if there is a person who is influential, if they get their hairstyle in a particular way, other people will follow them blindly. Right? Which is why it's amazing how sometimes if you go to a hairdresser's, then what do you see over there? Magazines and magazines and people flipping through them and then saying, okay, I want my hairstyle to be like this and this person or like that person whom I saw on the television. 
Right? Why? Because people look up to those who are wealthier than them, more powerful than them. And also, the sad reality is that the common people, they are oppressed. Oppressed, I don't mean in the physical sense, but in the intellectual sense. That they don't use their own mind. They just agree generally with who? With whatever others around them are telling them. With whatever their elders are telling them. So because of this reason, the prophets of Allah, they first approached the leaders. The message was primarily conveyed to them. Because if they would believe, if they would understand, naturally what would happen? The rest of the people would also follow. Right? So, إِلَى فِرْعَوْنَ وَمَلَئِهِ However, what happened? فَظَلَمُوا بِهَا So they did zulm with it. They committed injustice with it. With what? With the ayat, the miracles, the clear proofs that Musa presented, Fir'aun and his mala, they did zulm with them. What is zulm with something? To not give it its due right. So a miracle, a proof, an evidence, when it is clear, what is its right? That it should be rejected? What is its right? That it should be accepted. It should be acknowledged. But what was the reaction of Fir'aun and his people? They did not believe in Musa salam in the miracles that he showed. Rather, they called it magic. This was zulm. This was injustice with the miracles that Musa salam showed. And we see that this wasn't just the reaction of Fir'aun and his mala. Rather, across different civilizations, what happened? When the prophets came, they showed the miracles. The elite, what did they do? They did zulm. They did zulm with the miracles that were shown. What happened to the she-camel? What happened? It was killed, right? The Prophet ﷺ also, when he showed the miracle of the splitting of the moon, what was the reaction of the people? Sihrun mustamir. This is magic. Now imagine something so clear, and if people call it magic, instantly, that effect that it had, it's all gone. It's all washed off. So, فَظَّلَمُوا بِهَا Allah says, فَانْظُرْ So look, كَيْفَ how كَانَ it was عَاقِبَةُ And the consequence of who? الْمُفْسِدِينَ Those who spread mischief. Those who commit fasad. Who are mufsideen over here? Fir'aun and his people. When they committed fasad, what was their fasad? They rejected the truth. They challenged Musa salam. They competed with the miracles. So what happened at the end? Allah says, look at their consequence. Look at how they were picked up and drowned in the sea. How their whole, their entire civilization came to nothing. It was destroyed. Everything of theirs was ruined. Now, Bani Israel, we learned about them earlier as well. But just a quick recap. Yusuf salam, when he was in Egypt, and there's a long story of how he ended up in Egypt. His brothers were jealous of him. They threw him in the well. A caravan came, picked him up, sold him as a slave. He ended up in Egypt. And he was a slave in somebody's house. And then what happened eventually? He was thrown into prison. And then he interpreted the dreams of two men. One of them, he ended up becoming very close to the... After he was set free, he was very close to the king. And the king, after some years, what happened? He saw some dreams and he was very disturbed by them. So he kept asking people about the interpretation of his dreams. So the man who was with him, he remembered Yusuf alayhi salam. So he went back to the prison 
asked Yusuf السلام, about the interpretation of the king's dream. When the king found out that this man gave this interpretation, he was very impressed. So he spoke to Yusuf السلام, and then eventually Yusuf السلام, was set free and Yusuf السلام, was made the one in charge over all the treasures of the land, all the resources of the land. So basically all the crop all the produce, everything was under his supervision. So everything that was harvested, Yusuf salam managed it. So anyway, we see that Yusuf salam had a lot of power and influence in Egypt. And eventually, when there was drought all across the land, people started coming to Egypt in order to purchase food because that's the only place where there was food available. And like that, the brothers of Yusuf salam also came to Egypt in order to buy food. And then Yusuf salam recognized them back and forth. Eventually, Yusuf salam's entire family came to Egypt and lived with him. And Ya'qub salam, obviously his father, he also came. Now, the brothers of Yusuf salam, who are the children of Ya'qub salam, who were they? Bani Israel. Alright? At that time, only a few. But gradually, over the passage of many years, what happened? Their tribe, it grew and it grew. And that came to be known as who? The Bani Israel. So what happened? Initially in Egypt, they were very powerful in the sense that they were living with a lot of honor, with a lot of dignity. Why? Because they were the children of Yusuf or they were his cousins. So people of Egypt gave a lot of respect to them. And this was also because they were on their religion. But after some time, what happened? The Bani Israel declined in both ways. First of all, in their religiosity. They became distant and distant from the teachings of the deen. And many times it happens with the people that as they become greedy for this world, they forget their deen. Look at the state of the Muslims. That when we want something, worldly benefits today, what is it that we are most willing to give up? It is our deen. We think that it is our deen that is creating difficulties for us. So what do people do? They get rid of their deen. They move away from it. So that is what the Bani Israel did too. And secondly, such people also become very corrupt. Because think about it, if someone is not sincere to their Lord, if someone is not true to the religion that they claim to adhere to, you think they would be true and sincere and honest with the other people around them? No. If someone does not fear Allah while believing that Allah is watching me, and as a result they don't pray five times a day, you think they would be honest with their boss? They won't be. Which is why we see that unfortunately the state of us Muslims today is very similar. In the worldly sense, we are losers. And in the religious sense also, we have no fear of God. Which is why we have literally become the worst of the worst. We have become people who know nothing, people who do nothing, people who just sit on their backs, on their behinds, and waste their lives. This is what we have become. Greedy people, selfish people, who don't contribute at all. Far from Allah's mercy, and far from the friendship of people as well. So this is what happened to the Bani Israel. So what happened? The people of Egypt, they had had enough. They had had enough of the Bani Israel, who think of themselves as very pious, very righteous, but in reality were a burden on that community. So what did they do? They enslaved the entire tribe. Just imagine how they were so powerful in that nation, and now they became a burden on that community, and now they were enslaved. Imagine, the men are being used as laborers, the women are being used as laborers, and even the children. 
And they were oppressed so much that they didn't have any rights. I mean, these days, if you are suffering some discrimination at workplace, at least you can raise your voice and be heard, right? You can go to some group and, you know, give your complaint. Perhaps something will be done. At least your voice can be heard. You know, you can get some media attention or anything. But we see that the Bani Israel, they had no say. No one spoke for them. No one defended them. The people of Egypt hated them. They wanted to get rid of them. So much so that Fir'aun, what had he done? He had enforced his rule for some time that every male child that is born to the Israelites, he is killed. Imagine an infant, a baby boy, killed, killed, killed. So they would go around in the houses of the Israelites, look for babies, check if they were boys. And if they were boys, they would kill them. Imagine snatched from the family, perhaps killed in front of their own eyes. Just imagine. What kind of torture this was for the Israelites. And then what happened? Their women were enslaved in the houses, being used as maids and servants within the house. So the entire tribe was being eliminated. Fir'aun was on a mission to wipe them off. But not wipe them off easily. He was also using them. Using them. Now imagine, in this state, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had mercy on the Bani Israel. And what did He do? He sent Musa alayhi salam to go to Fir'aun and his mala, call them to the worship of Allah, and also tell them to let the Bani Israel go. But what happened? Fir'aun, given who he was, he refused to listen to Musa alayhi salam, فَظَلَمُوا بِهَا Allah says, فَانْظُرْ كَيْفَ كَانَ عَاقِبَةُ الْمُفْسِدِينَ وَقَالَ مُوسَى And Musa alayhi salam said, يَا فِرْعَوْنَ O فِرْعَوْنَ إِنِّي Indeed I رَسُولٌ A messenger مِنْ from رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ Lord of the worlds. Musa alayhi salam when he came to Fir'aun, he made it very clear to him. He's very clear to the point. What? that I have come to you from Allah, who is the Lord of the worlds, and I have come to you to deliver the message of truth. Meaning, I am not telling you what I'm telling you out of my own wishes. This is not my own thinking, my own desires. No. This is the message of the Lord of the worlds, and I am His ambassador. Haqiqun. Haqiqun. From the root letters, Ha qaf qaf haq. What does haq mean? Haq, true, right, correct. Hmm? And haqiq is on the structure of fa'il, like rahim. All right, and it gives the meaning of one that is haq, one that is true. So haqiqun gives the meaning of I am haqiq, meaning Musa alayhi said. I am the one who is haqiq ala upon Allah aqula that I do not say ala Allah upon Allah illa except al-haq, the truth. Meaning, the only thing that is right, that is correct, meaning for me, is that I do not say about Allah anything except that which is the truth. In other words, given that I am Allah's messenger, 
the only thing that befits me, the only thing that is correct for me, is that I tell you the truth. That I do not fabricate anything. I do not invent anything. And then say that Allah is telling you this. So in other words, He is assuring them of His truthfulness, of His honesty. Just like the previous messengers, what did they do? They were Rasulun Ameen, right? They were Nasih. They were sincere, well-wishing to their people, truthful men. So Musa salam also, he made it very clear to Fir'aun that, look, I'm not making all of this up. I have been sent by Allah and I will not invent anything about Allah. قَدْ جِئْتُكُمْ Certainly I have come to you بِبَيِّنَةٍ with a clear proof مِنْ رَبِّكُمْ from your Lord. I have brought you a clear evidence. What was that clear evidence? The miracles that he showed. فَأَرْسِلْ So send Maria with me Bani Israel, the children of Israel. Meaning, I am here to ask you to let the Bani Israel go. Set them free, let them be, let them go home. Arusil, send. Now send them where? Remember that Yaqub Yusuf they were originally from where? From Palestine. Right? Yusuf came to Egypt and that is how his family came to Egypt. Originally they were from where? Palestine. That was their home. So, what happened? Musa came to tell Fir'aun, leave the Bani Israel, set them free, so that they can go home with me. Let them go back to Palestine, because that is their home. Let them go with me. Arsil Ma'iyah Bani Israel. So what happened? We see over here that there's two messages that Musa primarily brought. First of all, he called Fir'aun and his malak to the worship of Allah. And secondly, he came in order to release the Bani Israel from the oppression of Fir'aun. Why? Why was it necessary for the Bani Israel to be released from the oppression of Fir'aun? Wasn't it okay if they were living as slaves? What's the big deal? Okay, they weren't able to openly practice their religion. That's correct, yes? They wouldn't be able to fulfill their responsibility as the carriers of the message to deliver the message to the people. You see, the thing is that when people are oppressed, then they're oppressed in two ways. First of all, in the worldly sense, in the physical sense, that they don't have any freedom, any freedom to live how they want, to work how they want. Think about a slave. He doesn't have any freedom as to when he wants to wake up, when he wants to sleep, when he wants to take a day off. Right? He has no freedom at all. And along with that, there is also oppression. There is also oppression. Oppression how? That the person is suffering. And we see different forms of oppression. Back then, Long time ago, different form of oppression. Today also we see there are different forms of oppression. Recently a friend of mine, she ended up in a really bad car accident. Really bad car accident. And she was told by the doctor to take bed rest for at least four weeks. Because the doctor warned her that right now perhaps you don't feel anything, but within a few days you will see that your body will ache. So you want to recover faster, so make sure that you take some rest. So she asked her workplace, if she could get time off, because given her situation, 
But they said, okay, if you take this long of a time off, then you're not going to be paid, so we might as well let you go. She's like, I need the job. If you fire me, how am I going to make money? I have my loans to pay off, I need the money. So poor thing, imagine, with all those aches and pains, she was going to work because she didn't want to lose that work. She didn't want to lose that job. Now this is also, a person is, you know, restricted. Their body is aching, but they don't have the freedom to lie down. They don't have that freedom to rest. Now, this is just one example. Imagine where people's lives are completely controlled. What kind of freedom will they have? Nothing at all. So when they are oppressed in this way, can they think about anything greater? Except for just their money and their food and their bills? That's all that they will be concerned about, right? So remember that Slavery also oppresses a person in another way, in a second way, which is mental enslavement. That when people lose the ability to think rationally sometimes, to think critically, to use their mind, they lose that ability because they're just in that system, working like an animal literally, they're not using their mind. So when will they have the time to think about bigger questions of life? Like, why am I here? What is my purpose? How can I please my Lord? What can I do to make Him happy? When will they have the chance to think about those things? These days also, what do we see? The children, when they're so young, school, 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 studies, exams, one grade after the other, then college, then work. When do they have time to think about Allah? To think about the hereafter? They don't have that much time. And if they do, if they're taught about these things, they find it so strange because their whole lives are full with things that are so different. So remember that slavery, it oppresses people in both ways. Physical, worldly oppression and also mental enslavement so that they're not able to use their mind. So this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted the Bani Israel to be set free so that they can worship Allah. They can worship Allah. They were the children of the prophets. They were the descendants of who? Ibrahim alayhi salam. So this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent Musa alayhi salam in order to release them from their slavery. Qala he said, Fir'aun, when he heard that, that Musa alayhi salam is requesting that Bani Israel should go, he said, In kunta, if you were, jita, you came, bi ayatin, with some sign, with some miracle, fa'ti biha, then come with it, meaning then show it. Bring it, show it to me. If you have really brought a miracle, then show it to me. In kunta, if you are min from as-sadiqeen, those who are truthful. So Fir'aun said, if you are really a messenger, if you're really true, then show me some proof of that. Because I can't just accept your request like that. I can't just let the entire Bani Israel go just because you're telling me. I have to see if you're really true, if you're really a messenger of Allah or not. So what happened? فَأَلْقَى So he threw. Who? Musa alayhi salam. From the root letters? Alqa From the root letters? Lam qaf. Lam qaf. Yeah, good. Yeah. So فَأَلْقَى عَصَاهُ He threw his asa. What is asa? Asa is basically a stick. Okay? But what kind of a stick is it? It's a thick one. Thick one. Because Musa alayhi salam, he used his stick for many different reasons. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked him, 
وَمَا تِلْكَ بِيَمِينِكَ يَا مُوسَى That, O oh Musa, what's that in your hand? Musa a.s. replied, هِيَ عَصَايَ This is my asa. أَتَوَكَّأُ بِهَا I recline on it. وَأَهُشُّ بِهَا عَلَى غَنَمِي And I bring down leaves from trees for my sheep, for my animals. وَلِيَفِيهَا مَآرِبَ أُخْرَى And in it for me there are many other benefits. So it was a multi-purpose, you can say cane. And if it's a multi-purpose one, then it better be strong. Okay? What's the root of the word asa? Ain sadia. Any other word that comes from this root? Ain sadia, ain sadwaw. Any other word that comes from the same root? Some word that we have read in the Quran. ذَلِكَ بِمَا عَصَوْ Disobedience. So what do you think the relationship is between disobedience and a stick? What's the relationship? Yes. Yes. Disobedience brings a stick. Hmm? Meaning, causes a person to get beaten up. So anyway, I am not saying that you should do that. Okay, I'm just telling you. So فَأَلْقَى عَصَاءُهُ So Musa a.s. threw his عَصَى فَإِذَا إِذَا means then. But remember that the word إِذَا is فُجَائِيَ So it gives a meaning of all of a sudden, instantly. So he threw the stick and instantly within seconds what happened? That stick, here it was ثُعْبَانُ mubin. It turned into a clear, big, giant snake. ثُعْبَان is used for a snake that is really, really big. So you're talking about huge serpent, a gigantic snake. And notice, ثُعْبَانُمْ mubin. Mubin meaning clear. So when people saw it, they had no doubt that this was a snake. I mean, it was clearly a snake. And how? That it was moving. And it is said that it slithered straight to Fir'aun. And Fir'aun also got scared. Which is why we learned that he turned and he fled. In the Quran, that's what we learn about. He also got scared. So, فَأَلْقَى عَصَاهُ فَإِذَا هِيَ ثُعْبَانٌ مُبِينٌ وَنَزَعَ And Musa a.s. he pulled out نُونَ زَيْعَيْنَ نَزِرْ To draw out, to pull out. So he pulled out يَدَهُ his hand فَإِذَا Then all of a sudden هِيَ it meaning his hand was بَيْضَى White, shining بَيَضَاد Extremely white and shining, glowing لِلنَّاظِرِينَ For those who look. Meaning all the people who were present in the court of Fir'aun, what happened? They were looking at this snake, you know, slithering towards Fir'aun, and the hand of Musa a.s. shining white. So what happened? قَالَ He said, الْمَلَأُ The chiefs. They said, مِنْ قَوْمِ فِرْعَوْنَ The mala' who were from the people of Fir'aun. So in other words, his close friends, his cabinet you can say, Okay, the ministers of his nation, those who were in his company at that time, those who were sitting with him. So the mala min qawmi fir'aun, they said, inna hadha lasahirun alim. They said, indeed this, meaning this guy, this man, Musa a.s., he is surely a magician, sahir. And what kind of a magician he is? Alim, knowing, meaning he knows his magic really well. Because of which he has performed this you know, great magic before us. So in other words, they called the miracles, what? Magic. Now, Fir'aun, given that he got, his request was fulfilled, he asked Musa a.s. for some proof, Musa a.s. showed the proof, 
And he also got scared. He was deeply affected by those miracles. And it's also possible that Fir'aun, because of this reason, he was reflecting on those miracles and perhaps he was inclined to listening to Musa a.s. We give him the benefit of the doubt. But this is a problem with surrounding yourself with bad company. What happened to Fir'aun? He is watching, he's probably shocked, and all of a sudden his friends, what do they tell him? This man is a magician who knows his magic really well. So what happened? The effect of those miracles on Fir'aun, it was instantly washed off. Instantly it was gone. Many times it happens that we see something, we hear something, and we are affected. You know, it touches our heart. But what happens? Somebody sitting next to us, they say something, and that entire effect is just washed off. They crack a joke, or they pass a negative comment about it, or they you know, raise a question, an objection, and that's it. Whatever we were thinking, it's all gone. We're not affected anymore. See how important it is to surround yourself with the right kind of people? Because many times it happens that you are using your brain, you are using your mind, and you are a good person. You have the potential to do a lot of good. But it's the people who are around us that put bad ideas in our head, that influence us in a negative way. So the good that we can do, we leave it. And we are encouraged to do that which is bad, and to do that which our heart tells us to not do. Our heart refuses. But what happens? The people around us, they're telling us to do it, they're doing it, so we also follow them. So Fir'aun, what happened with him? His mala, they said to him, إِنَّ هَذَا لَسَاحِرٌ عَلِيمٌ And they didn't stop there. They said, يُرِيدُ He just wants, meaning Musa a.s. He just wants, أَنْ يُخْرِجَكُمْ That he drives you out. مِنْ أَرْضِكُمْ From your land. Musa has come to drive all of us out of our land. Strange. When Musa a.s. came, he said, Send Bani Israel with me. We'll go, we'll leave you. We'll go home. And what are the mala of Fir'aun saying? That Musa has come to take over us. He has come to drive us out of our homes and take over our lands, our properties, and take over our entire civilization. That is what he wants. Very strange. Because Musa came with a completely different message. But this is what happens. People who don't want to accept the truth, then what do they do? They twist and misrepresent the words that are said to them. As though they are deliberately misunderstanding the message that was given to them. And that's exactly what the mala of Fir'aun did. They said, يُرِيدُ أَن يُخْرِجَكُم مِّنْ أَرْضِكُمْ So Fir'aun, he said, فَمَاذَا So what is that? تَأْمُرُونَ You all order. So Fir'aun, instead of using his mind over here, what does he say to his mala? That what do you tell me? Then what do you suggest? What should I do with Musa? Should I listen to him? Should I let the Bani Israel go? Or should I kill him? What should I do? فَمَاذَا تَأْمُرُونَ What do you say? Now we see a number of things over here. First of all, we see how they attack Musa salam, his character. He came as the messenger of the Lord of the worlds. But what did they say about him? He is a magician. He has some hidden agenda. 
And many times people say such things about the carriers of truth. Many times people say such things about such people. That they have some hidden agenda, they just want to become rich, or they want to gain power, they want to do this, and they're just using their religion. They're just using their religion. Who are we to judge the intentions of other people? We have no right at all to attack other people, their character, their personality, and call them liars, and call them magicians, or call them pretenders, or whatever, because this has become very common today. Even people of knowledge, even scholars of Islam, they are accused of such things. We don't show respect to anybody today, unfortunately. We think that we have the right to attack anyone and say anything about them. Whether it's an individual or an organization or anybody. But we, remember, have no right to judge the intentions of another person. And we have no right to accuse them of some hidden agenda. Unless we have some solid proof, some solid evidence. So this is something that Fir'aun and his mala did. They attacked Musa alayhi character. He's not a messenger, rather he is a magician. And then what did they do? They used fear tactics in order to, you know, gain, in order to have people agree with them. So they said, he has come in order to expel you from your lands. He's gonna take over. So let's not listen to him. We have to do something about him. So instantly what happened? Musa alayhi was now viewed as an enemy. Alright? He came as a messenger of Allah, requesting Fir'aun, please let the Bani Israel go. Simple request. But what happened? He was presented as a villain. He was presented as someone who was very evil. Someone who had come to take over. They were using fear tactics in order to have other people agree with them. So what happened? Fir'aun, he asked his mala' that what do you tell me to do? What should I do with Musa? Qalu they said, meaning the mala, they said, arjih, defer him. The word arjih is from the root letters, ra jim hamza. Ra jim hamza, raj. Raj is to defer, to delay some matter. So for example, you have to deal with someone, you have to give a response to someone, and what do you do? You defer. Why? Because you need time to think about it. Or you need to do some work before you can give them an answer. So you defer. And arjih, this is a combination of arjih and hu. So basically the word is arjih hu. Everybody say it. Now what's easier to say? Arjih hu or arjih? Arjih is much easier. So many times in the Arabic language this happens. That the spellings of a word should be different. Okay, but because they're so difficult to pronounce, the Arabs, what was their habit? That they would just change the word. So for example, the very common word qala. What is it actually? Qawala. Qawala. Because what's the root? Qaf. Wawlam. So technically it should be qawala. But the Arabs are like, you know what, forget it. Qala. It's much easier. So just like that, arji'hu turns into arji. Okay? So they said, Arji, defer the matter of Musa alayhi salam, meaning don't take any action against him yet. Don't tell him that you're not going to let the Bani Israel go. And don't even say that, okay, I'll let the Bani Israel go. Just 
hold on for some time, defer his matter for some time. Arjih wa akhahu and his brother. Who was his brother? Harun alayhi Because Musa alayhi didn't come alone, he came with his brother Harun alayhi And they said, meanwhile, while you are deferring him, what you should do is that wa arsil and send fi in al madain the cities hashirin gatherers. Madain is the plural of. What do you think? Medina. Good. Madain cities. Medina city. Right? So send in the cities across the civilization who hashirin, gatherers, plural of hashir, hashin ra. Hash means to gather, to collect. So send across the cities gatherers, meaning people who will go and bring who? Ya'tuka, they will come to you, bikulli with every sahirin magician, alimin knowing. So send gatherers in the cities, who will go and bring back every learned magician. So what is he trying to do over here? Or rather, what are they suggesting over here? That we will also call our great magicians and compete with Musa. Show to the people that what Musa is showing is not a miracle, it's not something special, it's just magic. Just like the magic that so many other magicians perform. So what happened then? This was done. وَجَاءَ And he came. السَّحَرَةُ The magicians. All the magicians, they came. To who? Fir'auna to Fir'aun. Obviously, the king is calling them. And that king was no ordinary king. He was one who had a lot of power. And he was also believed to be their god. He claimed to be god. So people actually worshipped him. Amongst many other gods that they worshipped. So Fir'aun was calling the magicians. So obviously, the magicians came. They all came to Fir'aun. And when they came, قَالُوا They said, إِنَّ indeed, لَنَا for us لَأَجْرًا Surely some wage, some reward. In if kunna, we were نَحْنُ we الْغَالِبِينَ The victors. الْغَالِبِينَ plural of غَالِب One who has غَلَبَة Meaning one who gains dominance over the other. Meaning one who defeats the other and has power over him. So in other words, the magicians are saying that often our own if we win, against Musa, if we defeat his magic, they're calling the miracles magic, they say, if we defeat his magic, then will we get some reward from you? This is very interesting. Because Musa salam, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala called him, when Allah told him to go to Fir'aun, Musa salam didn't say, so what's in it for me? What will I get in return? Muhammad wasallam, when he was made the messenger, did he make such a demand from Allah that what's in it for me? What will I get in return for all of this that you're asking me to do? No. But we see that the magicians, what did they do? The first thing they ask Fir'aun, what do we get if we win? What do we get when we are coming over here? What do you promise us in return? You see, there is a difference between people who work for Allah and who work for worldly reasons. For, in order to get benefits of this world, in order to get material benefits. The one who works for Allah, he never says, what's in it for me? What do I get in return? He never sets some benefit as a condition for his services. Never, ever. He doesn't say, you give me this much money, only then I will work for you. 
you give me this much money, only then I will do this. He doesn't set the money as a condition. And the ulama, they have also said this, that even if a person is teaching the Qur'an, they can never, they should not set this as a condition. You better give me $2,000 or else I'm not doing this. Not $1,800, not $1,500, $2,000. That's the bare minimum. If he sets that as a condition, and if his request is not fulfilled, and based on that he says, fine, I'm not going to do it, then you know what? There's a problem over there. There's a problem over there. This doesn't mean that a person should not expect any kind of material gain in return for his services. That is perfectly fine. Because where people do so many other kinds of work, if a person is choosing to work for the deen, and in return he is getting some material benefit, why not? You get two advantages over there. But remember that the money should not be the focus. It should never be a condition. It's always a side benefit. The one who works for Allah, their goal is what? I want to do something for the sake of Allah, for the religion of Allah. Alhamdulillah, I'm getting this chance. I'm getting this opportunity. That's their main goal. And what happens? Any benefit that they gain, that is just a side benefit. That's not the focus. And when they work like this, believe me, the little that they make also, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala places so much blessing in that. So much blessing in that, that it's amazing. Recently somebody was telling me that, you know, people who made $25,000 salary, they were asked that if you made double the money, do you think you'd be happier? And they said, of course, you would be very happy. And what happened then, after some time, they were basically testing a group of people, their salaries were increased, doubled, 50000 And when they checked their happiness levels, they noticed that their happiness increased only by 9%. Only by 9%. They thought their happiness would be doubled. It would be 100% if they doubled their salary. But you know what? It didn't make them happier. Why? Because what makes you happy is contentment. It's not increase in material things. That's not what makes you happy. What makes you happy is contentment. And what is it that can really give you contentment in your heart? When you're working for Allah. When you are serving the deen of Allah. When you are spending in the way of Allah. Whether it is as a teacher or a student or a volunteer, in whatever way. Many times it will happen with a person that they have two options. Either work somewhere where the benefit is for the deen, or work somewhere else where they'll make a lot of money. And now there's, for instance, a person is you know, doing an office job. Very similar. In one place, a salary would be very less. Why? Because it's for an Islamic cause. And it is sad, it is unfortunate that in many Islamic organizations, we see that they're very tight on money. It's not because they are consuming all the money themselves, it's because that's how it is. Like for instance... In this place that you're coming, how much fees is expected of you? If you were taking a university course, tell me, how much money would you be paying? Much more, right? And then on top of that, if there are multiple people from the same family, or for example, there's, you know, people are taking different courses, then again, there's reductions and so on and so forth. So think about it. The staff who will work here, you can't expect that they'll be making $30,000, $80,000, $50,000. It's not possible, right? 
Now, a person, their mission, their goal, their desire is to work for Allah, serve the religion of Allah. Right? And because of this reason, they choose to work in such a place. Now, the money they're making is very little. And if they were to do the same work elsewhere, they would be making a whole lot of money. You know, double, triple. Is that true? Yes, very true. In fact, you go to any Islamic organization, that's the case. Right? Now, the person who sacrifices their worldly you know, benefits, and they choose to work for Allah, and they're content with less, this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala likes. This is what is wanted from us. That we don't set this as condition. You better give me this much money or else I'm not doing this. You know what? I can work somewhere else. And when a person works like this, then they will get contentment in their heart. Musa a.s. didn't even ask what's in it for me. The magicians, they came, the first thing they asked, Will we get some money for this? Will we get some benefit in return if we are winners? Remember that when the Prophet ﷺ, when he went to Medina and he wanted to purchase the land for the masjid, he sent word to the owners of that land and he said, tell us the price for this so that we can pay you for it. They said, no, we only expect its payment from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Meaning we don't want anything from you. And the fact is that when a person is working for the cause of Allah, then really, when they get paid for it, the money, they don't think that this money is a payment for my efforts. No, they don't view it like that. They're expecting reward from who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when they're expecting reward from Allah, their focus does not become the money. This is why they will do their work, even if it's outside of the hours. They will do their work even if it is a snow day. They will do their work even if they're called at a very odd hour of the night or the day. They will do their work. Why? Because they're not working for the paycheck. What are they working for? Who are they working for? Allah. Where do they want their reward? Ultimate reward? In the hereafter. They want it from Allah. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He's very generous. He just tests a person for some time. And then what happens? He rewards him abundantly. He rewards him abundantly. More than the person can ever imagine. More than they can ever, ever dream of. Their needs are fulfilled in a way that they are amazed and the people around them are amazed and shocked. Why? Because then their paycheck is not supporting them. It is Allah who is supporting them. Because in tamsurullaha, If you help Allah, Allah will help you. If you go out in the way of Allah, Allah will take care of you. But you have to go out. You have to take the first step. You have to sacrifice. And it's a very, very big sacrifice. Very big sacrifice. Whether it is that a person is signing up for a course for which they have to pay monthly fees, or they are giving up their better paying job for a different one for the sake of Allah, it is a big sacrifice. But remember, those who work for Allah, Allah does not, does not abandon them. He's the one who takes care of them. There's a quote that I read, and it really motivates me every day. Come work for the Lord. The hours are long. 
the pay is low but the retirement benefits out of this world isn't that true yes retirement benefits are out of this world literally but what do we want high pay you want more money why because we want to spend freely but the thing is that you have to sacrifice somewhere right so a believer his goal the one who wants jannah his goal is not the things of this dunya i want more money so i can get that bag and i can get those shoes and i can you know travel easily and i can go here and i can buy that car no that's not their goal they say hold on wait for some time inshallah in the hereafter yes yes walladhina jahadu fina lanahdiyannahum subulana those who strive in our way we will guide them to our ways meaning allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will lead them he will take care of them he will show them what to do where to go so anyway this was a bit of a tangent but a necessary one so waja'a as-sahara fir'aun qalu inna lana la'ajran in kunna nahnu al-ghalibin they said if we are victors what do we get qala he said na'am yes you will get something We will surely pay you if you are victors. وَإِنَّكُمْ And indeed you. لَمِنْ Surely from. الْمُقَرَّبِينَ Those who are brought near. Meaning, you will have a very high position near me. You will be very close to me. Now imagine, the magicians are being told, you'll be paid for this really well. And secondly, you'll be my special ones. Recitation. ثُمَّ بَعَثْنَا مِن بَعْدِهِمْ مُوسَى بِآيَاتِنَا إِلَى فِرْعَوْنَ وَمَلَئِهِ فَظَلَمُوا بِهَا فَانظُرْ كَيْفَ كَانَ عَاقِبَةُ الْمُفْسِدِينَ وَقَالَ مُوسَى يَا فِرْعَوْنُ إِنِّي رَسُولٌ رب العالمين حقيق على ألا أقول على الله إلا الحق قد جئتكم ببينة من ربكم فأرسل معي بني إسرائيل قال إن كنت جئت بآية فأت بها إن كنت من الصادقين فألقى عصاه فإذا هي ثعبان مبين ونزع يده فإذا هي بيضاء قَالَ الْمَلَأُ مِنْ قَوْمِ فِرْعَوْنَ إِنَّ هَذَا لَسَاحِرٌ عَلِيمٌ يُرِيدُ أَنْ يُخْرِجَكُمْ مِنْ أَرْضِكُمْ فَمَاذَا تَأْمُرُونَ قَالُوا أَرْجِهْ وَأَخَاهُ وَأَرْسِلْ فِي الْمَدَائِنِ حَاشِرِينَ يَأْتُوكَ بِكُلِّ سَاحِرٍ عَلِيمٍ 